It's Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences, eating 90 loaves in 90 days. She's pitching loaf, pitching loaf. Tune in and carb up. 90 loaves in 90 days. We're pitching loaf, pitching loaf. You're listening to the Pitching a Loaf Podcast. Welcome to Pitching a Loaf Podcast. This is the 10th episode of our series. Today, we will discuss sourdough and how it is really changing our taste in America. I believe sourdough will be a clean and lean savior of the bread industry. Please welcome my ho- my co-host. My name is Dave Dahl, and I'm co-founder of Dave's Killer Bread. And my name is Lynn Carson, founder and CEO of Bakerpedia, the only global resource for technical baking information. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is sponsored by Brolite Ingredients, with the especially fermented sours and cultured flavors, bakers are able to use the solutions to find a flavor profile that best suits their needs. As the producers of natural sourdough flavors, you can find out more about their products at bakewithbrolite.com. That's bakewithbrolite.com. So Dave, when you eat a loaf of sourdough, what is the characteristic of a good sourdough? I don't eat a lot of loaves of sourdough. I, I kind of keep it on the, you know, minimum. But uh, when I do, I like it to be really crunchy, chewy, crust, um, flaky, and very sour. What do you think contributes to that? <coughs> Good fermentation, uh, long fermentation, proper sourdough control. Yeah, I think the control has a lot to do with it. How about you? Well, I really like sourdough, and um, I bake some sourdough at home, but I've I've killed at least five or six sourdough pats because I just can't keep up, you know. And uh, if I do that at home, I believe um, a lot of bakers have problems making sourdough at their bakeries because not... I mean, the ingredients are easy, simple. You ha- you only need flour, water, you know, yeast. Um, but the, the, the problem is the time, and you need to have skilled labor, and you ha- need to have time. And if you if you spoil a batch, the next day's production's gone. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of uh, luck with sourdough because there was so much else going on, and we just didn't have time to give it the love that it needed. Right, for high-output bakeries, mm-hmm. sourdough is just not an option, you know, um, mainly because you have all this troublesome headaches to deal with scheduling, you know. And on top of that, you can't just hire anyone off the street. It has to be a trained skilled baker who's been done doing this for a very long time and the best sourdoughs that i like receives um uh, refrigerated fermentation mm. you know those are like this is really sweet sourdough so it's really hard to make those things here with us today is doug michaels a passionate sourdough baker owner of columbia county bread and granola this company sells a unique fl- flourless sourdough sprouted bread that is naturally leavened and they also produce a line of granolas as well. Hi, Doug. Hi, Lynn. I ate your hearty loaf and pita bread last week. 
it had an amazing flavor and a really good chew to it. So how do you do it? Yeah, thanks, Lynn. Well, it's, it's really a fairly simple yet incredibly complex process. <laughs> what we do I don't is think we it's buy, simple. We buy a wheat um, and we uh, soak it, essentially. Uh, we want to soak it for at least 24 hours in water. We're, we're, with that soak, we're also rinsing, draining, and, and filling with water again. We want to see the water run clear in case there's any anything in the, in the uh, wheat that either rises to the surface or dirt that we want to just clean out. Mm-hmm. And after about 24 hours, we we drain it. We give it one last drink, another another soak, and then uh, the bakers usually come in. I, I'm usually the one that does the last drink. I just look at it, see where it's at. What we're looking for is a radical, the emergence of a root system, and it shows up as a small bud at the very tip of the grain. Mm-hmm. And when we see that emerge, then we know that that grain's come to life and it's radically transforming mm-hmm. itself from a grain into a vegetable, i.e. wheatgrass. And once we see that, then we start to move pretty quickly. We drain the wheat, and we let it sit. We get everything ready. We get our starters going. We take the starters out of the fridge. They're, um, we, we expand them. We want them at a point where they're very active. They're hungry. That yeast, that wild yeast is hungry. And, um, and then we, the process is, from there, we do a mix. We, we bring, well, we do a grind. We take that sprouted wheat and we put it through a grinder. And Dave, I, I was looking at a video from, from your website and it looked like you guys had a big Hobart grinder as well that you were grinding maybe a wheat mash. Yeah, we started doing that. My dad started doing that in the 60s. Okay, so that's, that's similar to what we do. We grind the wheat into, it looks like a, a mash, almost like a hamburger dough. Yes. It comes out exactly. and, um, and that's our, what we call our proto-dough. Uh, I love it how he calls it the proto-dough. And then to that, we add our starter, and we add just a very small amount of salt. And that goes into our mixer, and that's essentially our dough. And then, and then the process there, we move pretty quickly because we want to we wanna weigh that, we want to shape it, we want to proof it, and then we want to bake it all within about uh, 24 hours from once it has come out of the sprout wow. process. So you use no yeast then, right? Yeah, we don't we don't need yeast. I mean, yeast actually, wheat is this incredible grain because it comes with everything we need to make bread. I mean, all we need is water and human hands. Yeast is on the grain. I mean, it's you know, yeast is everywhere, but we know it comes on that grain. So that starter we have is just it's it's packed with wild yeast, sure. and uh, and and it seems to like that ground up mash. And it seems to attract the right kind of bacteria for us to create a culture. It but, seems to work really well for us. But apparently it's still a pretty long process. Uh, how, how does that work? The process for the starter? Yeah, I mean, from you say 24 hours from where? Are you you're talking 24 hours from the time that the wheat is sprouted and ground to the time that it comes out of the oven? Well, the, the process, it's about a 24-hour soak to get it to the point where we then start looking for that uh, radical. Uh, at the same time, we, we're bringing the starters out of the fridge because we're, we're going to keep them cold. We don't want them active until we're about ready to use them. So there's a, there's a little bit of just managing both processes because we want them to come together at the right time. Oh, so, so the, the bakers are... So it starts with... Uh, yeah, go ahead. It, I'm sorry. So, so it starts with the soaking, and 24 hours later, it's out of the oven. 
No, basically. No, uh, the soak. Twenty-four hours later, we we, we have so it's forty-eight hours to altogether. See the emergence of a of a radical or the beginning signs mm-hmm. of a sprout. So it will take a, a complete process of 48 hours from the start of soak to um, get a product? Yeah, I would say about, 40, about four, 36 to 48 hours. That's correct. long. Wow. You must get a lot of wonderful flavors to that. <laughs> right. And, and we can extend the process, too. Once we, once we make the dough and we've shaped it, we can, we can put it in the fridge and keep it and cold ferment it for wow. we've, we've been doing that for another 24 hours, another 48 hours, and then we bring it out, bring it up to room temp, and then we go into the ovens with it. No wonder that loaf I ate it just just so flavorful. Now, do you add any sugar? Uh, no. Uh, the, 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 you know, if you if you take sprouted wheat and you chew on it, you'll you'll taste sugar. I mean, it's very That's sweet. That's true. Yeah. And it seems to be the kind of sugar that just uh, wild yeast loves. I mean, it just... Uh, Draws it in very quickly, right? And, so, and, and it seems that yeast seems to to cohabitate very nicely with the bacteria that comes in, the uh, bifidobacteria and the lactobacillus that also enters and creates this culture. They they seem to coexist very well. Without any and, sugar, and so wouldn't this be a product great for people with diabetes? Are you saying the the raw dough? No, the final product. Any, Since you don't add any sugar, oh, yeah. you have it, sprouted yeah. wheat. It, it definitely, it definitely would be. And, and while you mentioned, while I mentioned raw dough, we've often thought about dehydrating it and and offering our starter. But uh, yeah, because it, it, it's just loaded with with beneficial bacteria. But we don't do that now. However, yes, uh, our bread we we find that it's very popular with diabetics uh, because it has a very very low glycemic index. Uh, one of our customers actually lives on a uh, insulin pump, and so when he eats anything, he, he can see exactly what kind of reaction he's having, and he does not react to our bread whatsoever. So, um, interesting. He's uh, he's a, a good customer of ours. You know, Lynn was uh, talking to me about some folks who can't tolerate regular bread, and some of them can digest your bread without problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we get emails from people all the time who said, gee, you know, I never thought I could eat wheat again or bread. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're you're running into that where people are just like, what happened to wheat? You know, why is wheat suddenly so suspect? And, and um, you know, our feeling is, look, you just treat it properly. You know, you you want to use a, a leaven. You want to use a, firm, a process of fermentation. And the cool thing about sprouting is it really jumpstarts that process. Mm-hmm. Uh Because when we soak that wheat for 24 hours, when we do an initial mix, just to kind of bring the bottom wheat up to the top and whatnot, and we just kind of take a look at the wheat and see how it's doing, that water is foamy. I mean, it's it's attracting sugar already, even at that point. So that that process of fermentation has already begun. Right, and it's breaking down a lot of products. It's breaking down a lot of proteins. And, um, and and I heard a, a doctor even recommended your product to be eaten. Yeah, we you know we, we really do well with nutritionists and, and others who recommend our product to their clients. We do have a, a, a doctor just recently some, a, a, a client called us and ordered and and um, first time and a lot of times when we get a first time customer, I'll just ask him, you know, gee, how did you find out about our bread? And he said, well, my doctor recommended it. And so I contacted the doctor, and his interest was in the fact that we don't use yeast. He said that uh, he thinks a lot of people are reactive to yeast. And I've heard that from others, that yeast is one of those um, 
one of those things that some people are just not able to digest well. So wild yeast is, seems to be more acceptable. Wow. Well, that's really awesome, Doug. Um, for our listeners, where can they get your bread? Yeah, so if you live in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, you can come to our retail outlet <laughs> on Center Street. If you don't, uh, we recommend going onto our website, ColumbiaCountyBread.com. Okay, and, and you uh, there you'll find all our different bread products. We also do a, a flat bread, which is basically a cracker, and we use a uh, spelt for that. We use an organic, and all our all our grains are organic certified. We use an organic spelt that we sprout, and uh, and then we we basically sheet into a, a cracker, and and that's very good. Plus our granola. You know, I don't know if anybody else is making a flax-based granola. Hmm. Um, but we've done really well with that. It somehow got on the Dr. Oz show. Wow, um, congratulations. It really sort of built yeah. our business and, and continues to be our best seller. Great. Well, thanks, Doug. Thanks for coming on the show, and um, great job. Yeah, and I really appreciate uh, learning about you, how to make bread the most difficult way <laughs> possible. <laughs> thanks well, for sharing the passion. Once you know what you're doing, it's, it's not that difficult, and, and I happen to have some very, very skilled bakers, and and Dave, when I mentioned that you'd be on this podcast, their eyes lit up. They're very aware of who you are and what you've done and the amazing uh, accomplishments that you've achieved. And they were pretty thrilled about it. And, and I, I just like you to know that if you ever are out this way, and, and Dr. Carson, you as well, thank you. please stop in and visit us. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Doug. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Have you. a nice one. Bye. Have a good one. Before we continue, I'd like to thank our sponsor, ProLite Products, for sponsoring this podcast. Are you having a hard time adding a sourdough line to your product mix or finding that unique sour that your market is demanding? Their technical experts on hand can help you craft an all-natural solution to find your special San Francisco, New England type sourdough or a unique sour for your customer needs. Visit bakewithbrolite.com today for a solution. With us today is Jeff Nelson the VP of Sales at Brolite Products. Hi, Jeff. Tell us what is a typical problem a baker faces when they're trying to add a sourdough line to their product mix? Um, the primary problem of most production or uh, high-speed production lines is if they don't have the floor space or the, uh, the time uh, needed for the long fermentation process, um, also, would require a lot of troughs and fermentation, you know, climate control fermentation rooms. Hey, Jeff, um, do you, are, yes? are you saying that we can't just take down a wall and put in extra vats in the bakery? What? They, they could, that is an option, <laughs> yes. Uh, but typically, they're looking to run as many pounds per hour through, uh, through, through the bakery as they can. And uh, this, right. uh, in a, in a definitely will slow that process I like down. to use an open uh, It takes long fermentation and uh, continual feed, or not continual, but uh, it takes pretty constant monitoring and feeding of the sponge to, to keep it healthy and, and, and going. That's true. So you're telling bakers to buy your ingredients because it gives the bakers consistency? Well, it sounds expensive to me. How much does a baker typically need to use to get the desired taste? And does this affect the yeast? Um, to answer your second question first, yes, it, uh, it would. If you, if you start getting the sours above 5% uh, baker's percentage, 
a lot of times you don't have to add some additional yeast because uh, the lower pH will affect the yeast. Right. And our sours typically can be used depending on which sour uh, works best for your formulation. Some go as low as 1% and some as high as 9%. Uh, And as far as expense, uh, when you're factoring in the labor that uh, that you need to tend the the mother sponge and the, the space and everything else that's in involved in tending a natural a natural sour uh, sometimes this actually does prove to be even a more economical use in the long run great um can you tell us what you do on your site to produce these flavors are they chemical flavors um, several of our products are natural just naturally produced through long fermentation times um, they are there, there is one that's a sour um, uh, the bro rice sour is nothing but the the sponge, basically dehydrated, shredded, and right. Bagged. So just uh, we uh, also have a, wheat, just wheat, just flour, wheat flour, and fermented fermented wheat flour, right? That's just the product that you sell. Uh, well, that one's rye flour. Oh, that rye one's flour, a fermented okay. rye flour, and it's all the, natural. The, the bread fl- the bread flavor R is a fermented flavor, and that is fermented wheat flour, okay. um, and it just adds a, a fermented flavor to. Uh, to a product. We, 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 we actually culture. That was one of the first things that Oscar Brew did in founding the company was uh, with sours and cultures. We also have a product that's a cultured butter uh, that, that adds a butter flavor to um, cookie doughs and uh, pastries. It's a dry product as well. Neat. Well, and that one, that one is a, a, clean, a very clean label also. It is just a fermented, basically cultured butter. Yeah. Well, I like that you have a clean solution for the bakers on sourdough. Um, so thanks so much for joining us on this show, Jeff, and I wish you the best. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, how are you doing in your bread journey? What did you eat this last week? Well, I am into day 70, 71 in my on my bread journey out of 90, so it's You're going really good. big. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> um. I, I was actually a couple of days sick last week, so I didn't complete, you know, my two loaves last week. Um, but I did get bread from Rotella's Italian Bakery, um, and they actually supplied my whole week of bread. Um, I've got some loaves from Columbia Grain and Granola. They are really heavy, heavy breads. And also some German-type breads from Ancient Brand Grains, and they used puffed grains to uh, use as inclusions into their bread. So that was, uh, that's really interesting. So um, please continue to visit my blog at eatbread90.com, Jeff, so that you could uh, keep up with uh, the rest of the, the 20 days, 20 or odd days of my journey. <laughs> Terrific, I will. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, thank you. This is a great show, but it's time to sign off now. I would like to thank BroLite Products for sponsoring this show. Remember, without sponsors, we would not be able to bring this podcast series to you. And no one would then be able to listen to me talk about eating bread for 90 days. So don't forget, BroLite Products can provide that natural sourdough flavor, clean label solution. Just reach out to their sales team today at j.nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N, at brolightproducts.com. Until the next episode, Dave. Lynn, what am I supposed to say? I don't see anything.
Until the next episode. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Until the I, I next episode, you professional loafers, eat more bread out there. I'll see you. I'll see you next time, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Bakerpedia's Pitching a Loaf podcast, hosted by Dr. Lynn Carson. Our show is co-hosted by Dave Doll and David Dublau. The Pitching a Loaf jingle is done by Creative Mills. Our associate producer is Anna Rink. Show notes by Joanna Evanouk. Our podcast cover art is designed by Kurt Rawsus. The Pitch in a Loaf podcast is produced at Bigfoot Podcast Network in the heart of beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. <laughs>